welcome to Is It My ADHD, the podcast about what it really feels like to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm Grace Timothy and I'm a writer and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 37. I'd struggled with traits I now know to be ADHD all my life, but it wasn't until a routine hearing appointment with a doctor who happened to have ADHD himself that these traits were pieced together and it was suggested that I get referred for an assessment. Had it not been for that random moment with an audiologist, I'd still be undiagnosed now and still struggling, just like the two million women thought to have undiagnosed ADHD in the UK today. I want to better understand what ADHD feels like for women and non-binary people, in whom ADHD is so often missed, thanks to the fact that the diagnostic criteria and research is all heavily skewed to the white male case study. I've therefore spoken to some incredible women about how ADHD affects their lives, exploring everything from friendship and work to dating and self-esteem. I've also pulled in some experts along the way to help us tackle the big questions from you and from my guests. Is it my ADHD when I ghost old friends, for example? Is it my ADHD when I break the photocopier at work? And is it my ADHD when I share nudes on Instagram? My hope is that we can spread awareness of ADHD in women and non-binary people and that you'll find some comfort in knowing you're far from being alone. Because with the right support, we can be truly amazing. today's episode, I'll be exploring the impacts of stress when living with ADHD and how overwhelm plays its part. And I'll be sharing this chat with Talk to Coco. Of course, ADHD in and of itself is a stressful idea. From often having to mask just to fit in and remain hypervigilant over potential social pitfalls and often managing various comorbidities. Even with the powerful knowledge that comes with a diagnosis, self-advocating within a system that isn't wholly supportive of neurodivergence is another major cause of stress not to mention the ways in which ADHD impacts our careers, relationships, and even the supposedly simple admin like car insurance or doing the weekly shop. It's just an extra layer on top of what is already a life primed for overwhelm, which may be a factor in why adverse outcomes like mental health issues and inpatient treatment are common in those with ADHD. Coco is a writer, poet and activist who uses her platform to encourage open conversations around mental health, sexuality, chronic illness, neurodivergence and gender identity. Coco is an all-round force for good. When you listen to them speak, there's always a message of uplifting power there. And to know them is to share in that optimism. But this generous spirit of self and community love has come from a lifetime of dealing with stress, as Coco's lived experience has been shaped by the intersections she now advocates for. Welcome, Coco. I feel incredibly lucky to have you here for this chat. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Oh, it's just such a pleasure. Um, I think I should probably like preface this whole chat for everyone listening with the fact that due to I don't know what, the Squadcast app would not open <laughs> on my laptop. Coco's been waiting a good, what, tw- well, no, half an hour now Ooh. for me to come on. I've been knocking my head against the desk trying to get it to work. It's just, so in terms of stress, do you find in your daily processes that you've kind of got a grip on stress now in those kind of moments? Mm, well, I wouldn't say I've got a grip. I'll say I've got mechanisms that 
I guess my mind just takes me to so I don't get so overwhelmed in those kinds of situations you know what's your go-to like what do you do in that moment so for instance like just then I picked up my phone I rung my missus <laughs> so Aww. like Lara's like my point of contact she's like the person that keeps me like zen like tries to be like it's okay just chill and I just made a cup of tea like so I just keep it active as long as I'm busy my mind just needs to be doing a million things so it's just not sitting still and waiting for that moment to kind of There's, kick in. I cannot sit here. It just makes me, yeah, I just overwhelmed, frustrated. Like I can't sit still, no, not at all. So that's like an interesting thing about ADHD overwhelm, because I think like when you're in the workplace and you talk about ADHD and I think people start to think, "Uh oh, she's like not going to be able to handle this or they're not going to be able to cope with this kind of stress. Yeah, that's so true. We're so calm, right, in the face of adversity or a lot. The overwhelm comes when there isn't the stimulus. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. why <laughs> that's so true that is so true i found that like i used to work in a job in a bank i won't say the bank in case we're not allowed to say it i just couldn't get to grips with like i don't know just the sitting there and like the doing like on the computer as much as i had like computers i had to ring like do bits in that respect i could i couldn't just sit there and my boss always used to say to me you know this ain't butlin supposed to be sat down and i'd say well i've never been to butlin's for a start so what are you trying to say <laughs> but like james you no offense no one that goes to butlin's but like that's so cheeky and it's like they don't just understand, like, give me something to do where I can put my expertise, like, because I'm super clever, but I just need to be managed in the way that suits me. And then I can perform 100%. Do you get me? Completely. But also, like, look at what you do. So if you're, you know, constantly trying to keep busy, make that happen for this person. You know, like, channel it, harness it. It's amazing. It's so true. Yeah. So... Okay, you've just wrapped on a weekend of self-care workshops for Black Pride. Yeah. And I know that self-care is also a major thread through your social media content. Is stress something that you find you're constantly having to counter in the neurodivergent communities that you move in? Yeah, definitely. I think because stress is such a simple word that's thrown out there, like everybody uses it. So I guess it's everyone's association with stress. So And that looks different for everybody. So I think for neurodivergent people within that like we need to tackle stress in order to have self-care because if we're stressed as we know it affects our eating it affects our ability to do things it can just throw off your week it, like and that could be a life I don't know you could be getting married for instance on the weekend yeah and if something stressful have thrown us off as neurodivergent people that might not be happening the way that it should be happening and I think that is so important and that's something I've learned growing as an adult like and it's took me to nearly the age of 30 years old to be like right this is how you need to tackle your stresses or different ways to manage them I guess because it's not like our stress will never go right and it's always there I find this who I put myself around to we need to tackle our inner self where our association of stress first starts because our first point to call for stress is normally to panic or we go in this freak mode even like less I hate to say a normal quote finger mark things people on an average brain scale drive say and freaks out so people like us that's like putting a rocket in a fire with gas and then just throwing kids at it like it's just hella dangerous you know what i mean yeah so obviously if stress in a and i'm quote quote marking kind of neurotypical world is um it's often like a and again quote mark rational process isn't it so it's like I haven't got enough money to get to the petrol station or whatever it is like, you know, something that kind of makes sense that would aggravate your nervous system. 
Whereas it feels like for us, it could be something that a neurotypical person wouldn't necessarily understand or equate with stress, right? How do you, like on a daily basis, what's, what are your main stresses, would you say? I find little things really stress me out. So like me and my missus always say that. And she says like the things I find stressful, like to her, they're like nothing. But to me, it's like the world have ended. So let me think of something. So change, I don't deal with change well at all. So for instance, I don't know, we'll go in somewhere today and it gets cancelled or I guess eating and getting changed and like my day-to-day life like the little day-to-day things that people just do we can't just do and that is like a stressful thing for me so like for instance I can go all day without eating because I just forget not to but then I get stressed with having it because I start to feel sick then your chronic illness okay do you know what I'm saying so it's like I find like a low a lot of day-to-day routines this this daily normal thing for me is stressful and people always say like how do you do what you do then like out there like with like social media and helping people and stuff through that way but I think if I take on other people's stresses it deflects from my own stress so I'm coping without realizing that's hardcore that is either an amazing thing or it can undo you right surely (laughs) yeah for sure like there's times if I'm on like a meltdown already and then I got to do all that oh, overwhelming the work. I can't cope and I don't know what to do. And some days I can be like, right, I write a list too for everything. That's another thing. If I haven't wrote a list, I can't do it. So I have two things on my fridge. One is a weekly one, one is a monthly one. And if that is not on there, I physically can't do it. So like some days I'll find that I'm just sat here all day. I've got a list in my head to do because it's not wrote down I won't do it so then I haven't done nothing and then my day thrown off then next morning I'm stressed because I haven't done x y or z or yeah or like money do you find that like paying your bills and like spending like I'll spend like I'm a millionaire I'm not (laughs) so yeah that's like a killer for me too so like my missus got to go into wraps with my money my direct debits my bills like all that kind of stuff you know I think it's it's a fear attached to if those things don't get done though isn't it so it's not necessarily stress like it's not necessarily that like online banking is a stressful process it's more that if you don't do it right what is going to happen to you it's the undoing. And that's, but I think, doesn't that fear, do you think, come from a little bit, a lifetime of, especially if you don't know you're a neurodivergent or the people around you don't know, it's a lifetime of getting shit wrong and then feeling like that's all you are, isn't yeah, it? That is so true. Yeah. And I think, like, for myself, like, you just hit the nail on the head in that respect. I think, like, growing up, until you're diagnosed, I don't know if it was the same for yourself, but I found until I was diagnosed, I was just like the naughty kid or I didn't listen or I was spoiled. Like, you're constantly, like you said, labeled with such negative and hateful shit. And I think it beats down your self esteem to where you just become. I'm like dormant and normal to it and it's just like oh well that's how I am then however the moment I got a diagnosis then oh my mum and everyone's like oh now it makes sense but it's like I've been telling you there's something up forever but it's only because a professional have said right these are your diagnosis so how were you when you were diagnosed if you don't mind me asking yeah so I was diagnosed first of all at 12 then I was misdiagnosed because they give me two and then I was diagnosed again at like 12 to 14 because I was in high school too then but yeah like and I had seen so many different psychiatrists like through the same healthcare, whether that be through the same GP or whether that like being it on like a downward and like self-harming and then the hospital having to like I'm saying so and there were so many and I think for myself, like when I originally got diagnosed, I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD at the beginning. They told me I had bipolar. So there was like constantly something and something and something. And I think it comes to the point where it's like, do you guys even know what's wrong with me? 
or do I even need all of these labels on me? All I know that there is something. Do you know what I'm saying? And I've been on like different medication and certain things and like I didn't take certain things and what have you because of how it affects. And I think being someone with ADHD and I think people don't realise that like, like we're not toys and I think people are so quick to judge and put us up, pick us down and pick and choose when we're going to be the naughty kids or when it's that ADHD or especially as an adult. Because if you say ADHD as an adult, people look at you like say, oh, only kids have that. Like, it's like you're just talking shit. Mm. And also like, what are you going to do next? Are you going to be able to do your job? Are you going to be able to look after your kid? Are you going to be able to, you know, yeah, completely. In terms of those labels that you're sort of battling against, and obviously that is you know, causing untold stress because your sense of identity is constantly shifting with those. Obviously, there are other intersections at play in your story. How do you think those have layered up to sort of exacerbate stress for you? So I can tell you a story about this. So I got rushed into hospital in 2017. So this was before my brain tumour was diagnosed. So I got rushed in, like, same symptoms I've been going in for years and what have you. And obviously, because of how I am with my ADHD... Like, obviously, you know, it's like I can't cope with certain things. I had to be in a room on my own and blah, 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 wherever my mum was always there, if not my missus was there. But there was one time my mum, obviously, she's a teacher. So my mum was in work. My missus was in work. And I was on my own. I'd say about a four hour gap, but I was sleeping. So when I woke up, I like freaked out a bit that no one was there. But I didn't realise, obviously, it was the changeover. I was just supposed to be asleep. So anyway, I woke up and I had all bruises all over my legs. Mind, this is part of my condition. When you go into hospital in A&E, you have surgical and medical. At this time, I was still into surgical. I didn't realise there was two different at the point. I just thought doctors or whatever. So when the doctor have come in and I'm like crying, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've woke up. I've got all these. And instantly said to me, do you suffer with any mental health? And I was like, I've got ADHD. Why? Like severely, I got a bit of Tourette's too. But like, I didn't understand why this was relevant. Instantly told me, oh, you've been self-harming. Mm. I was like, I've, yeah, and this is what I mean. And that was in a perfect example of where just because I've got ADHD now, you're not going to take me serious. You're going to not look into these bruises and just tell me that I'm self-harming when I know. And then that made me act, look, make me look more crazy because then I started acting out because I knew for a fact I hadn't done anything. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And then obviously in hospital three weeks until I'll get diagnosed with a brain tumour, adrenal insufficiency. And that's why my bruises happened. Do you know what I'm saying? But it was like, I had to go through all that trauma and stress just because I had ADHD. Because if I didn't, he was willing to look through it. The moment I said, Yes, I've been to loads and like, and I find this always within healthcare. The moment that you let them know, oh yeah, I've got like ADHD or something, it's like, oh well, it's just anti-ADHD. You're being dramatic, or is exa- and they don't want to look into nothing. So then you constantly feel like you're going more mad than you already are. It's like that triage situation, isn't it? It's like, okay, we'll put you on that channel. Then there we go, done. That's what you are. Tick, tick that box. Literally, yeah, a hundred percent. And it's like you never get seen, and then it's like, well, I've got to go and pay private now mm. just to be seen because they're going to take me serious because I'm putting money into their pocket. Mm. But the people that should be looking after me—that's where I find that the biggest kind of thing with me, where like people sort of go off subject or things change. You know, I suppose it's then about stress also being related to not being heard and not being seen. And also and not being able to express yourself sometimes, because if you're in that situation where the stress is, you know, external and then on top of that, you're then thinking, how do I express this and how do I articulate this in a calm way so that I'm not being tarred with that brush of like, right, you are X, Y, Z. So how do we as neurodivergent people better cope with the stress of other people's perception of us? I guess for someone like myself, how I cope, 
I think is to have the right people around me. I don't know if people with ADHD and that realize, but one thing I've learned about trying to learn about myself is that like rejection is one of our top things that we don't cope well with. Do you know I'm saying? So like for that kind of stuff. So I used to find I was such a people pleaser trying to grow up and through my teens and early adult life because I was so desperate to try and like knock off these negative labels due to my neurodivergent. Do you know I'm saying? Whereas now I've learned to be like, for what rejection kind of thing to take? So like doing what I do, like, and I always like preach that to people, like support and the people around you is number one. If the people around you ain't understanding and that can be then to bring you down when you're having a manic moment, like anything, you could be in a situation and if you've got people around you that understand, they're going to know how this is going to make you feel. So they're going to be able to take you out of it without you needing to say anything. And I think it's about feeling safe. So yeah, I always tell people like who you have around you is so important and keep that in mind and be selfish with your time like that. Like if we got to tell someone no, like F off, like tell them like, because that's the thing. I'm saying we're always saying yes, just because we don't want to be rejected. And then we're burning ourselves out. Then we're more stressed because of the burnout. And then we've just put ourselves on a hamster wheel for nothing. I'm so excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by the first makeup brand I ever bought as a teenager, Benefit Cosmetics. I saved up for Benetint for weeks and that love remained strong when I became a beauty editor years later. Roller Lash is my absolute favourite mascara of all time. Gimme Brow Plus and Precisely My Brow are my go-to brow products and I still use Benetint on the daily. Makeup is something I reach for to give myself a moment to ground, to breathe and be in my own thoughts for a minute just like my own personal form of meditation that happens to help make me feel fierce. Benefit has remained a mainstay in my own routine for more reasons than one. I love the way Benefit connects customers with amazing causes and today is amplifying various voices around neurodivergence. I'll be working with Benefit not just on the podcast but they've also asked me to explore how the Benefit counter experience can be more accessible to those with brains a bit like mine. I'll be sharing the ways we're working together and would love to hear your thoughts on this too. I still can't believe I'm launching Is It My ADHD with my OG beauty obsession at the heart. Obviously, you are massively pioneering in the kind of non-binary experience and voicing the thoughts and feelings of various generations of people who have struggled with gender identity. Does that carry stress? for you being that pioneering voice yeah I think it carries stress in the way of being the voice for that and within myself because I think to be the voice and to be the person people look up to like in the mental health sector speaking honest transparent I've always like put myself first for that so when it comes to identity and that kind of thing too I try and put that at the forefront as well however I think because of society and the way we live that like adds certain stresses and I think for myself either internally like I still battle with myself so like get either getting dressed in the morning kind of thing do you know what I'm saying what am I going to look out today what kind of judgment am I going to get and I'm not just having it because of how I present myself to the world but I need to do that because otherwise I'm not being authentic to me do you know what I'm saying so it's like a constant battle and then having ADHD on top is like I'm trying to be strong do you know what I'm saying? For the people that maybe don't understand. I'm like, 
a pie in a few different flavors, if you like. So I'm trying to put the black front, the queer front, the non-binary, like non, like not conforming to what society says, basically, and pushing mental health at the forefront. Do you know what I'm saying? And I guess being that representation for so many people like myself that we didn't have growing up. Like it is a lot of pressure and it is a lot of stress. And I think when I'm helping people sort of like I said it calms it distracts me from it so I don't need to deal with it so it's like I always say to people like me helping you is my therapy without me realizing because of who I am like I'm black I'm gay I'm in an interracial relationship I'm a lesbian I'm non-binary I don't conform to what society says gender is I have ADHD I'm emotionally unstable I have a brain tumor like I have everything society tells me is wrong with the world I am that like do you get what I'm saying so I feel like if I can say to every single person within those different checkboxes and some people will entwine, do you know what I'm saying? That this is what I do daily. And if I've been to shit street and back, like we can all get out of that kind of thing too. Do you know what I mean? Because I think people always say to me like, oh, like just your energy, like you giving us hope. And I think like, I always wanted to let people know no matter your age, your religion, your race, your identity, whoever you are, your sexuality, do you know what I'm saying? We all can have that common ground and we all can get up from the shitty times. And I think sometimes people just need to see a real human in front of them to say like, this is, this is okay and this is life, you know? And it's, I mean, it's such a generous thing to do and a generous way to process your own stress, I think, to to do it in a way that's shared and public and you know I think that's a nice part of ADHD isn't it that we kind of need to share and we need to connect in for in order for it to be real almost 100% and that's why I find like if anything I'm an overshare and like oh to my friends we all make a joke like I'm the needy friend I am like extra like I am needy I am like I'll tell you everything like but like people like they have a level hate you for that right and I've just learned I think to love myself and I think Unless I was being honest, I think it was my sort of stamp of self-acceptance by saying it out loud to the world to be like, this is who I am in order for me to accept me too. I think also like by sharing it, you're validating it in other people and it's like a sieve, right? So it's like a social sieve. If I say I am X, Y, Z and then someone's like, oh, I don't want any part of that, then that's cool because we're not meant to be on the path together anyway. That's so that's so cool. true. That is so true. Equally, it's about someone with ADHD having being empowered to let go of those people and that stress yeah and it's okay and sometimes like us with adhd we don't like to let go of things because it's change or it's going to throw us off or it's going to cause us a stress so sometimes it's easier but realistically it's not it's so true when you you said extra and that's so true i use that a lot to describe myself in like various situations and i do it in an apologetic way and actually like fuck that extra is great yeah. extra is like when you get you know an extra packet of crisps for free why did it become a negative i wonder that bringing extra to the table yeah i don't know and that's true it's like everyone i think is so like i don't know everyone's so tame is that the right word like everyone's sitting on the fence or under the fence or like hanging off the fence i feel like like we're on it like jumping off the fence like like i think it's fine like be extra like why not we're living i feel like right we are living this is true so now we kind of know where stress comes from how does it physically kind of manifest for you do you get a physical reaction when the stresses are coming at you? Yeah, so I always describe this to my psychiatrist. I feel like the Hulk is the only person that I can literally like put in form that everyone can relate to because everyone knows the Hulk is literally that. And I only stand at five foot one, so I'm only little. So like I literally feel like I become, and the only way I can describe it, I can feel like heat 
in my body and I feel like it literally comes from my toes through my body to my chest and I just want to go mad that's the only way I can describe it I want to like smash things up scream shout like and this can happen like for instance supermarkets I don't know if you're the same so like certain sensory stuff with me like that freaks me out so when I'm in a supermarket I'll either go super my Tourette's comes out and I'm like on a high or if it's like on the more stressful level or something can just switch it could be anything and like within a second, oh, I need to get out there. And my miss like, right, let's go. Let's go and sit in the car, chill out. Like, because I'm ready to just like throw the old lady into the broccoli kind of thing. Like <laughs> the old yeah. lady into the broccoli. Yeah. She's gone. Yeah. And like, but yeah, it's a physical feeling. It's like, mine is like fire. It's like someone's lit a flame and I can feel it burning at my body and my chest becomes hot and I can feel it. And I know, right, you need to take yourself off because you're going to react that is not a way that's going to be pleasant for people. I'm not saying like I'm always aggressive on a thing, but either just in myself and my own head is like, like I can feel myself talking as if it's happening. Like, And so, but you can now, you know, to take yourself out because presumably when that happened when you were a kid at school, it's oh, you can't take yourself out, right? You're not allowed hell to. Hell no, I would, like even when I was a kid, I'd smash in my bedroom. Then when I was in high school, I'd be like rude to teachers. I'd throw things. Then like you get in isolation or you get excluded. Do you know what I'm saying? And then you're just the naughty kid or you're the bully and it's like no like I'm so overwhelmed and that's what they don't see it and I and, and like I cry like I want help and I'm like just please like I don't want to feel like this and that's why I always used to say like if anyone could stop it and say to me right like if I could kill it my fingers that's why I wanted someone to take me out of it but I think that's another thing people don't realize like we don't want to act like this when we have these meltdowns and stuff if anything I'd prefer not to mm-hmm. have them you know um so in terms of post-diagnosis when you were stressed did you kind of identify it differently so you were like right I know what I need to do here because this is ADHD and I need to sit quietly somewhere dark room do you know what I mean or is it is it kind of continued as was no I think it is different so before I knew before I was diagnosed like when I was like this I guess because of the like words I've been fed all my life and stuff like that from people I only knew one way to express myself and that was to just like be aggressive whether that be like smash things up blah 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 kind of thing especially being so young like and that's what it was back then it was like well I don't know what's wrong with me I need help I know there's something but I don't know what like my friends don't act like this like you're all telling me clearly there's something wrong but no one's giving me the help I need and then I think since diagnosis then like a different stages though I think is being managed differently and I think it as you mature and you start to know yourself like now when I'm in a way depends on what have triggered me or it could just be how I'm feeling and like my missus will say that she can read my mood and my energy she'll be like if she knows I'm going to be in one of those moods today so she'll just leave me to her won't speak to me as much because she can tell anything I can say I'm just not going to feel it today and that's sometimes what isn't like I can't concentrate, I can't really like watch a film or nothing like that because I can't sit through it. So like me as music's a big one for me. So I'll literally put the music on like on blast in my kitchen and I'll just sit in my kitchen for hours or I need to be out. So she'll say, come on, I'm going for a walk, put your shoes on. And then because I live by water, I've got to live by water, water calms me. So we live on the water, so we'll go and walk. And then I'm like, within a bit, I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel like a human again now. Like, do you know I mean? The tension's gone out my body. But I think it was only since becoming an adult and being diagnosed that that changed. But post was just chaotic. It was. Like, and I'm yet to meet someone that wasn't like that, I guess. 
Yeah, same. I think also I still find like talking in ADHD spaces that there's a lot about executive function and memory and, and kind of how you get through your day. But I still don't hear a lot of chat about the sensory challenges. And for me, that's one of the biggest parts is like inexplicable stress because I'm in the wrong room and there's no natural light or like you say, you're too far from water and it's too urban or, you know, and it changes as well, right? So it evolves. You won't always have the same triggers. So that's something that you've always found, is it, from childhood onwards? I've always found it. And, like, people, I think, used to think that I was just being awkward when, like, I was saying certain things are throwing me off. And, like, I remember, like, in my high school, too, there was always a certain room, if you would go in in maths, I remember, and they'd have those horrible fluorescent lights and it would always flicker. And I remember it would always just throw me off, this flicker it would do. And I'd really get irritable. And, like, my teacher would always say, oh, every time you come in here, what's wrong? And I'd say, it's really doing my head in. And people would be looking at me like, what the hell? And I'd be like, no one gets it. And then as I got older and obviously started to learn about things, like, I understood, like, supermarkets because of the certain the noise, the sounds of so many people and the lighting and stuff. When I go into hospital, it's the same. All that, it freaks me out and it, like puts my body and my mind into this way where it just can't cope but it's not it's not spoken about enough at all and I think people never sort of realize I think that certain things that they have going on it could be due to sensory stuff or even touch like if I'm in a certain mood you could touch me Wednesday and I'm very tactile but there's a day you could touch me and I'd be like oh get off like just stop like James yeah it's mad it is I just I don't understand why it's not part of the wider conversation actually because I feel like when I got to know about it, I I assumed that kind of sensory stuff was very much like the area of autism and those kind of mood disorders. It's definitely a huge part of everyone I speak to who has ADHD is this sensory issue. And also that can be in sexual scenarios as much as like in a tactile or, you know, like a, what's the opposite of a sexual relationship? Platonic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, yeah, there you go. I don't know, is it? <laughs> Probably have slept with some of my friends. Um, <laughs> I think that we need to maybe keep that in mind as well, that stress isn't just a deadline. Yeah. So in terms of now, when you've had a stressful, I mean, I don't know whether it's a stressful day or a stressful hour or whatever, when you can feel that sense of overwhelm, which obviously is the result of multiple stress getting the better of you kind of thing. What do you do? What are your coping mechanisms now? So I would say my top three coping mechanisms. So number one, my tip would be listen to music. And I mean, put on blast to the point it sort of takes you out how you're feeling because it's so loud and it sort of distracts our mind because how our mind is, our attention span changes so quick, it can shift. So I found that's really good. Number two, I always say get outside as much as we might not want to, but take yourself to somewhere a bit secluded so your senses ain't overwhelmed by loads of people walking or people's dogs or whatever. So I always try and find something like that. And number three, I always say write down, like for me, writing is everything. Like, so that's where my poetry, I guess, started coming from. And like, that's how I've created, created writing workshops to help people with ADHD and people with mental health as a way of coping. Because for myself, I needed to find a way that I could cope with. Like, there's not like, I ain't a millionaire, so I can't just book a flight every day that I want to go on a plane and disappear. Do you know what I'm saying? So you got to find ways to cope. Like, I don't like talking to people as much as... Everyone talks to me as I'm talking to Coco. Like, I don't like talking to people. So I would never, like, ring up a friend and be like, oh, listen, like, this is what's... That's just not who I am. I'm just not comfortable with it. I don't know if that's part of the ADHD too, but I just physically can't, like, 
express myself in that way. So writing, I always say to people, because write down your feelings because we're so irrational at the time, it doesn't make sense. But then when you are feeling more rational, I find you can go back and look on it and then, okay, that's triggered me because that's why I wrote. They're my three kind of things, I think, because stress, like we're never going to get away from stress. We're always going to have stress in this world we live in. Like Jem's saying, we're always going to have it. So we're just navigating it. And I think everybody's situations are different so like for yourself like you've got children james saying someone else like might not have kids but then they're looking after their grandparents or like we all have different lives that we still need to navigate but like still be selfish enough to think of ourselves because we are neurodivergent and i think like enough of us don't do that like james saying so yeah i think just self-care i always say self-care is should be number one. We always put ourselves second in this world. Do you know what I mean? There's always someone else that's coming first, but it shouldn't, whether that's your kids, your parents, your relationship. Always number one. That's And that's something I've learned the hard way. So you're, like, the way that you express it as well, it's, like, all about the boundaries. Yeah. And setting those boundaries with everyone, from the person that you love to your colleague or whoever, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I need to know now. I need to know, what is your playlist if you're... My playlist? Or is playlist. it just everything? I've got like, right, let's have a look. I've got my phone in front of me, right? So let's go. I want to know how, you, how you're dealing with the stress in an audio. So my songs are like literally random, right? So li- here we go, right? I'm really putting myself out here now. So my first top songs, right? So I've got Abracadabra Double Tap, which you've got drill music. Then I've got a song called Happiness, which is then Afrobeat. Then it goes into Her My Song, which is like... R&B. Then I got Charlotte Day Wilson Mountains, which is soul and R&B. Then I got Harry Styles Falling. Then I got Mavado Feelings. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's, I've hit about six different genres, but like, yeah, I just go with whatever. Like, I've, I need to have an attachment to something too, so I need to feel. If it makes me feel away, then it's good. But always, music is key. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to. Is, are you into like a familiarity as well? Does that regulate you? If there's something that you've heard many times before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll only know, this is what I always say, this is why I don't go out, I don't go clipping, I don't go to these places, I never know the music because I literally stick to what I know. And then now and then if I'm feeling like something new, I'll go on to like Apple Music and then go into, you know, what it says for you at the bottom and like see if there's any new bits. But yeah, I'm very like, nothing changes. I got to stick with my, what's familiar to me. Like, and if there's changes, they need to be like certainly like brought into me or it needs to be like, like, for instance, going on holiday. So, like, that is so, like, I'm always ill the first two days when I get there, like, freaked Same. out. I need to, like, get used to everything. Yeah, it do. It just throws yeah. you oh off, Oh, my God, right? that's an ADHD thing. I hadn't even I'm for a minute you. thought. Because the stress is too much. Yeah, it's, it's too not much. Ever you worth can't it. cope. No. <gasps> that, I find, is always a killer. And then once I'm there, I'm fine. And then i got to get used to the change then of going back home. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like the f- two days before, like, we'll start, like, I'll slowly start packing and just stuff to get my brain used to the idea I'm going home now. Because otherwise, if you said to me the night before, come on, packing, no way would I, I just wouldn't be able to, my body just freak out and then I'll go into a meltdown again. So, yeah. so then in that case, the other way of, of coping with stress is to throw off the binds of other people's expectations on you right to fit in with the person who wants to pack at the last minute you need you need to put you you first that's what was something i've noticed like navigate for you like push the narrative that we're important first so like with anyone if you're meeting a new family if you're going into a wedding a relationship a job you need to be like right this is how i work i have this what's wrong with me if you can't cater to me bye that's why i've learned it it sounds like a bit savage and brutal but like we put ourselves first 
all right, you might get a bit disheartened, you haven't got the job that you wanted to because people don't want to cater to you, but oh well. Do you know what I'm saying? You're going to work with someone or be with someone that loves you, that's going to say, yes, I love my craziness in you or whatever. Mm. I think that's a message of hope as well, is like there are people you found your person that that understands and accommodates you and loves you and embraces it. For sure. And I think, like, for anybody that's listening to this, because I find that with, like, through my page when I speak to people, relationships are, like, a key thing in the respect of, like, how someone navigates us. So, like, I've got someone now that, like, my downfalls, well, what I thought was downfalls, like, she boosts me up for them and they're my, like, the things she loves about me. Do you know what I mean? The things that people might necessarily not. So I think, yeah, we all need to have hope because we all just settle. And that's what I did before because I thought, oh, well, this is all I'm worth and it's still, it could be worse. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But it's like, nah, don't, don't ever do that to nobody. Mm. Oh, Coco, thank you so much. I feel like that's been such a powerful chat. And I think there's so much in there, so much comfort in there, I think. It's okay. We now turn to an expert. Today, it's Dr. Mohammed Abdelghani. He is a lead consultant psychiatrist specialising in adult ADHD. And so I'm so thrilled to have him here today to decipher, is it my ADHD when I lose my Oyster card? Yes, it could definitely be the ADHD that lead people to lose their Oyster card, their keys, their mobiles, their wallet. Actually, this is one of the 18 symptoms we check with people's ADHD. Of course, it's not, do you lose your Oyster card? Because Oyster card is not found in many different cities. But I mean losing things and spending a lot of time searching for things that has been lost. Basically, a big part of why people with ADHD lose a lot of their personal items, and this is repeated over and over again, because they don't pay much attention where they have left it or put it. So definitely, if you don't remember where you put your mobile, for example, when you want to find it, you will struggle to find it because it actually hasn't been registered in your head. So although you are the one who did it, and this does not mean that this person has a memory problem. Their memory, if you do a memory test, they wouldn't score less than the average person. But the problem is because they didn't register what they did so they cannot recall it and the example i give to people here it's as if you're working on a document on your computer and you didn't press save so if you didn't press save and you close your computer you will not be able to retrieve this data again the same happens if i'm doing something right now as i'm speaking with you but it didn't register in my head what i did so i cannot recall it in the future what i did so i cannot remember where i placed my mobile let's say Thank you so much for joining me and this community of amazing people. We'd love it if you could follow Is It My ADHD wherever you get your podcasts from. And now I'd love to hear from you. What other perspectives would you like to see explored in future episodes? Find me on Instagram at Is It My ADHD to continue the conversation.